0: Ladies and gentlemen, how do? Welcome to Grand Bags Funeral, a zit-infested, fish-paste, sandwich-eating assistant engineer of the Yarmouth Marina Wave Machine of a show. A show, ladies and gents, boys and girls, where three lifelong Norfolk chums jump down the rabbit hole of their obsession with films and the like. Each topic is linked, and so each episode is linked, as we build the Grand Bags chain around the universe, spreading peace and loveism with a side salad of shitism. My name is Simon, I'll be your host. And joining me as always, Jarman John Harmon, the nightmare from Norwich. Me love you long time. <laughs> and Matt Richards, the loony from Ludham. Toe Jam. I'm the wanker from Wootton. Welcome again to Grandbag's funeral, right, boys? Um, it's been the usual uh, nine weeks, I think. Since our last show and um, we finished the last show. I think that means we're getting faster. Well, maybe. Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, anyway, we, we do plan to do it monthly. But as you can imagine, there's so much going on during lockdown. We just don't have the time. Um, so, as I said, the the show is a tenuous group of links through movies generally. And on our last episode, we finished up with Robert Altman's Sublime Shortcuts, which I think we all thoroughly enjoyed. And we've decided to choose from that movie as the link to the next one, Matthew Modine. So we decided that the first film for tonight's show would be the uh, really upbeat, happy movie, perfect for a lockdown, full metal jacket.
1: Thoughts? I had forgotten how dark this film was. And and I can remember being profoundly disturbed by it. I saw this film when it came out and I was like 12. (laughs) So... And I remember being disturbed by it then and be, that, that made me very sort of anti-war. And watching it again, it just has that, it just has this, it's, it's probably the best anti-war film yeah, going, yeah. really. Yeah,
0: well, definitely um, anti, uh, anti-army anti film, I think. Do you know what I mean? The, 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 the idea of programming right. soldiers yeah. and turning them into psychopaths to to serve their country.
2: Almost an anti-American film as well, because they sort of just, they come out of that film. No one comes out of that film well. Even, even the central character, yeah. Who, yeah. who's our link, doesn't particularly come out of it well. Whether he, I don't know, whether he joins in by the end, gives up,
0: whatever it is, um, which I'm sure we'll come on to talk about. But just regarding like the first time you saw it, I mean, I, as you were saying, John, and I wasn't so much disturbed by it as I, I remember when I, when I first saw it. I think because at that point I was watching so many dark, miserable, violent films um, that I was blown away by it. I thought it was amazing. And what what grabbed me the most was the energy, particularly, obviously, the first half. I mean, because it is definitely a film of – it's two movies, right? It's two movies. And part one um, with the the drill sergeant um, in Carolina um, at the Marine base is when I first saw that, I found it hysterically funny. I found it thoroughly entertaining. Um, and that energy was just like, it was palpable and I couldn't get enough. And I, I, I would rewatch and rewatch it and rewatch it much like when we first saw reservoir dogs, you know, that same kind of, that same kind of like hardcore energy that doesn't let up. Um, but I do remember the bullying sequence really having an effect on me back when I was a kid. And this time around, I watched it with my son, who is a massive movie buff in his own right. And I thought, okay, he could possibly be ready for this. Stupidly, I thought that um, because I hadn't seen it for years. So I didn't have my I didn't have my parent vision on. And um, I was sitting there watching it. And especially when it got to the bit when they all beat pile up with the soap. I was like, oh dear. And he looked at me and he's just like,
1: Dad.
0: I was like, oh God.
1: <laughs> I was
0: like, I don't know what to say.
1: It's it's the loss of the loss of in, in, innocence. And I but I, I remember I remember when I saw it It was around a mate's house and I don't think I'd ever seen Ooh. anything like it. And that scene and the music in it is really haunting. And then and then obviously the scene in the toilet. Yeah. And I, I, that that image on the toilet, that just seared into my brain for such a long time. With that scene, I was watching it with, Rachel was in the room
2: the other night. Good work. Um, when we were watching it and she kept saying, this isn't gonna go well, this isn't gonna go well, is it? And I was like, I, I, I knew what was coming with all the pile stuff. And yeah, just the, mo- the moment that came, she just got up, walked out of the room, was like, this is too much too much and then
1: it's like no come back it gets better
2: no it doesn't
1: Matt I feel like we're head- heading to help you get a divorce long term <laughs> I, I
0: think it's probably on the
1: way oh dear because each film we give you to watch with Rachel it's like
0: well hopefully you watched one of the more uh, watched one of the
1: more upbeat
0: movies we chose as well but um you're just talking about that so when I was going going back to like my boy and I and I was like I was like dude you have to remember these people have to be like this they have to be programmed like this if they're going to be frontline marines um and i found myself like making excuses for their behavior <laughs> so stan wouldn't be so stressed and then i was like well you know that's you know that's that's the army especially the marines i mean it's hardcore right i mean we wouldn't last a fucking minute i mean i reckon i'd arrive and it'd be like oh, can you, can you make your bed? I was like, what? I can't even do <laughs> yeah. that properly. Do you know what I mean? Never mind. Fucking murder someone and run for 20 miles. Oh, they're the easy bits. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Before John um, gives us like, a rundown of the movie and then Matt go- gives us his bizarre internal monologue about it, um, we're going to – I just want to um, talk about – the Kubrickism of it. We haven't even mentioned his name. Obviously, it's a Stanley Kubrick film, and we're you know much like with Altman prior to this show when we did Shortcuts. You know, we're in the company of a master. You know, someone who's completely in charge of their craft. And as you said about the soundtrack, it's very eerie. Um, everything. Everything about the film, apart from when it goes a bit chaotic every now and then with a bit of um, late sixties music, it's so foreboding, and and the, the color palette is brilliant because um, the only the only warmth is when you know the only warmth you feel on screen is when they're outside training their balls off, you know, but even then. You look at the sky, and it's a massive grey sky, and it's like, wait a minute, that's East Anglia. Do you know what I mean? It's like, that's not fucking, that's not Carolina. And, of course, Kubrick stopped making movies in the States. So is the train, I wanted to ask you quickly, John, I know that the Vietnam sequences were all shot in London Docklands, or the majority of them. Was that, where was the training filmed? Because that, to me, looks like it could either be Norfolk, Suffolk, Essex, or Surrey.
1: Or well, mainly mainly East Anglia because it's flat as a pancake. A lot of it was a lot of it was shot in Cambridge. Mm. Uh or, Ca- or Ca- Cambridgeshire. But you know the scene where where th- when they're flying their helicopter over and the machine gunner is just gunning people and saying it's really easy to kill women and kids. That's the Norfolk Broads that they're filming that on. Wow. A- yeah. yeah. So that, that that bit was filmed on the Norfolk Broads and the rest was pretty much filmed in East London.
0: Isn't that amazing? Norfolk. Fucking great! I wonder if we could like get a blue plaque and just like throw it in there, like a like a life like <laughs> life preserver, just have it floating about. Do we know what
1: part of the broads? No, it, it just said um, the the Norfolk Broads Estate.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: which, so it was just some sort of part of the Norfolk Broads. But I was trying to find out, but that's all that it said. That is amazing. So. Let's hire a helicopter and go back and look for And him. interestingly, the, the guy who was the, the gunner in that was supposed to be the, the drill sergeant, uh, and he got fired. Oh, really? <laughs> so, uh, so um, uh, well, Lee Ermey effectively championed so much to be the drill instructor and did everything he could to make, because he was just a technical advisor on the film, and then he he lobbied so hard that they, they realized that actually he was the right person for mm-hmm. the job and wrote like 50% of his dialogue was just him. No, I, mean, I mean,
0: it is amazing. It is amazing. And, a, and hmm. to, um, to a kid when they first see that, it's hysterical. Um, but yeah. Okay.
1: Yeah. I mean, the, 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 those are like repeatable lines in the playground. Oh, man, <laughs>
2: of I oh, use. man big <laughs> It was amazing watching it again. How much of that stayed mm. with me and how much of it just came back. Cause it's only the second time I've seen it mm-hmm. watching it again the other night. And it was just like, Just bang bang mate, every line that he was saying was like, Yep, 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 yep. Remember, oh fuck, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh mate. That's incredibly racist, but
0: genius. And he's like, How old how high? How tall are you, soldier? And he says like five foot eight or something, you know. And he goes like five foot eight. I didn't know they stacked shit that high. It's just amazing. It's just brilliant. It's just like that that automatic, that automatic repost on everything. You know, it's just in their fate. I
1: mean, he's just such a horrible, horrible man. And and you realize that nobody could really write those lines. Like, like if you wrote that in a script, somebody would go, "Oh, this is too much," or "This isn't believable." Oh, yeah. But because of the way he does it, it completely I mean, you works. Imagine,
0: you imagine seeing that on a screenplay, it'd be like this is insane. You know no I mean yeah. no no studio. Or well, they probably would because it was Kubrick. You are nothing but unorganized, grabastic pieces of amphibian shit. How tall are you, Private? Sir, five foot nine, sir! Five foot nine? I didn't know they stacked shit that high. Shit, it looks to me like the best part of
2: you ran down to cracking your mama's ass and ended up as a brown stain on the mattress! Did your parents have
0: any children that lived? Sir, yes, sir. How about they regret that? You're so ugly you could be a modern art masterpiece. Were you born a fat, slimy scumbag, you piece of shit private pile? Or did you have to work on it? Your ass looks like about 150 pounds of chewed bubblegum pile, you know that? You climb
2: obstacles like old people fuck, you know that private pile?
0: So, Matthew tell us tell us the background of as much of the background as movie as you possibly can, and then we'll um, talk a bit about a bit about the cast, and then move on to Matt.
1: So, I mean, the, the, the film came about. Apparently, um, it was originally Kubrick just wanted to make actually wanted to make a Holocaust film, um, and was toying around with that. And then, around like nineteen seventy nine ish, realized that he, he it was more of a Vietnam flick and th- therefore got got involved with uh a journalist uh, Michael Hare Michael Hare who wrote who Michael Hare who wrote dispatches and then through that process came across uh the 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 book the short timers and then reached out to the the writer of that and 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 it was a very lo- slow slow gestating thing by all accounts um one of the things that inspired Kubrick was he absolutely hated the kind of Rambo, Ramboism, um, and and this was supposed to be a reaction to Rambo uh, f- for him because he really hated the sort of machismo of it and wanted to explore that. So then he started sort of developing it. Um, originally, believe it or not, he, he his number one choice for Joker was Anthony Michael Hall from Breakfast Club. Okay, and and he absolutely wanted him, and they spent eight months trying to negotiate for the part, and 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 Anthony Michael Hall's dad, who was his manager, pissed it all up basically. So then they had to sort of drop it, and they were talking to They were talking to our mate Val Kilmer, Matt's Matt's mate, mate Val Uh, Kilmer. We'll talk Um, more. We'll we'll talk more
0: about um, movie Matt later on because he's got a new buddy as well. See what I did there.
1: There there was talk of Val Kilmer, Val Kilmer being in it. and Matthew Modine actually found out he was in the film because he bumped into Val Kilmer in a coffee shop who gave him a hard time saying, you fucker, you've, you've been cast in the film that I wanted to be in. And Matthew Modine didn't even know he was in the running for it. So that's how he found out he was of interest to Stanley Kubrick. Oh, yeah. uh, wow. And the, the other person who was... Uh, at, and at the same time, they were flirting with... Uh, with uh bruce willis as well but he'd just signed uh for for moonlighting so these were what casting what ifs i suppose how did modine not know he was
2: in the right run- maybe this is my cinematic ignorance but how did he not even know he was in the running for it surely his agent would have said oh i'm putting you forward for
0: this his agent is a i imagine i imagine his agent was just putting him up for everything
1: what 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 it, what, what it was was um Kubrick and Alan Parker were talking and Alan Parker was making birdie at the time. Oh, yeah. And he sent him footage of, of Modine in birdie saying you should, this guy's really good. And Kubrick didn't actually like it, but he saw a couple of bits of the offcuts, and we're like, Oh, actually I can do something with, it. and then that that's how he got interested in him. So it was, he hadn't, he hadn't actually cast him, but Kilmer was dropped and, and things were moved on. The, the other strange casting, what if, uh, Kubrick really wanted, you know, you know, um, deliverance and the, the, the rapist, the rapist in deliverance Kubrick wanted him as the drill sergeant. Right. And it was all kind of going to happen. Um, Um, and then he Kubrick got too freaked out. He said, I can't work with him. He's too, he, he, he considered that scene one of the scariest scenes of cinema and he was too afraid to have the person in the film. (laughs) So, and, and, and then our, our, Lee Ermey came along and did it. And then, so this all kind of material, and it took it took a really long, really long time to make. Um, I think it took like 18 months to make, and there was a lot of stopping and starting throughout 85 and 86. The whole thing uh, was shot uh, in London and, and bits of England because Kubrick doesn't like to leave England. Um, and the, the stuff in Vietnam he found Beckton Gasworks that was about to be demolished and he he realized that the, he looked at some photographs from Vietnam and was sort of looking at those and uh sort of could match it and make it work so he said we're going to film it all here flew in uh, uh lots of palm trees and stuff from Spain just to make it I mean a huge and and one of the things that Modine has written about is actually the whole place was riddled with fucking asbestos. So it was a toxic, it was a toxic nightmare and people were getting sick and stuff and they were working 13 hour days. So it's like a complete disaster (laughs) filming there. And it nearly got derailed a few, a, a, a few times. And, and another interesting fact was, platoon got green lit because of this. So Oliver Stone used the fact that Kubrick was making a film about Vietnam to lobby to get it made. And then Kubrick took so long making this, platoon came of out. six Of course it before did. It. Of
0: course it did. Because everyone always thinks of that, you know, that massive glut of Vietnam movies that um, came about um after platoon it would be thanks to platoon but that that's that's very interesting it's actually full metal jacket by default sort of was the first one by proxy
1: and the the other interesting thing that i found out was at, like uh the soundtrack is always listed as being by abigail mead who is actually vivian kubrick his daughter i didn't realize it was his daughter that did the soundtrack so uh it,
0: it's well she she did all the synth she did all the synth stuff yeah yeah
1: yeah yeah really dark stuff yeah oh, that because that's amazing oh, and, that's and, well good and then those two had a massive falling out after eyes wide shut and she's actually excommunicated from the family now um there's some there's some weird stuff there because she's gone all kind of pro trump and and q apparently so there was there was some big what? falling out, some big she became a scientologist and there was a big falling you're not out
0: gonna tell you're not gonna tell me that the kubrick household was a bit kooky i don't believe you <laughs>
2: I won't have it. I simply will not
0: have it. Wow! But coming, um, becoming alt right in the Kubrick household is a bit odd, especially after making a soundtrack to a movie like that.
2: That's that. That's standard, isn't it? It's like if you've got really weird hippie parents, then you become a, then you become a conservative MP, or if you, yeah, if you've got Christian parents, you become a punk or something. I that that makes sense. I reckon.
0: Okay, if it makes sense to you, Matt. It makes sense to everyone. Your parents are lovely and you turned
1: out to be a cunt. (laughs) Oh my God. There he is. There he is. There he is. So, and, and uh, D'Onofrio had never acted in it. Let me just, let me just quickly say prior to him
0: spitting that, um, cuss out, he had just finished his first pint in a month. Matt
1: is back. Matt is back. (laughs) Yeah. Welcome back, Matt. This is the real you. You unbelievable cunt. <laughs> I'm in a Back's world full of, I'm in a world full of shit. Um, so, world so of shit. And and the the other I suppose the big revelation of this film was and I think is he is that the, the lynchpin, well two lynchpins were previously uh untested actors so you had vincent d'onofrio who'd never acted in anything in in film before and he he got he got the job because matthew modine and him had done theater together and he was actually a bouncer at the hard rock cafe when modine and his wife were walking past and he was like you'd be really good in this and got him in got him into the job um and he had to put on like 80 pounds and the w- private pile yeah and um putting on the weight. And of course, like people put on weight for roles all the time, but they don't spend a year and a half filming. So he had to keep this weight on for ages. And it actually ripped the tendons in his legs that the amount of weight he'd put on, caused him loads of long-term damage and stuff. So, but he he says, you know, without this role, he would never have a career. And then the same with with Lee Ermey, you know, he hadn't, he was actually a technical advisor on apocalypse now and in a very brief he's a helicopter pilot in, in that but he he was trying to get into film acting and sort of smooth, sort of elbowed his way into this through through he was there to train the actors.
0: Okay. And and what and he was a drill
1: instructor, is that correct? Yes yeah, so he, he was a drill instructor at Paris Island for, for during Vietnam, yeah. So that that's his background. He he did appear in another film called *The, Bo- the Boys in Company C*, as a drill instructor. Oh, okay. I've seen that movie. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, crikey! And that—that—that that, that, that was kind of a precursor to this. But Stanley Kubrick didn't think he was mean enough, so he, he didn't know whether he could do it.
0: But do you think? Um, you said he was a technical advisor. I mean, technical advisor on *Apocalypse Now*. I wonder how much, um, how how much he bent Robert Duvall's ear. For- <laughs> For, for for Kilgore, I mean, because crikey, they're like they're like bosom buddies. Apart from one's a kind of sort of bit more of an anarchist and a surfer, total psychos.
1: Well, no, I mean, the, you you can you can see the it, it's funny how how he's been there in the background of all of these kind of Vietnam movies and and, and effect, you know. So, but it, it's I think that's the thing that struck me about this film is that you just jump there's no beating there's no precursor you're just straight in there
0: yeah yeah but it is it's <clears throat>
1: what's great about you know what's
0: great about it is is the energy right and it's just like it just it's bang you're in doesn't let up the ends appallingly depressing and awful and such is life and such is war the and it's like there you go bosh Matt
2: oh well, I was gonna say it doesn't try and neatly wrap anything up it's all sort of, and like you say it jumps in and sort of jumps out because nothing's resolved, nothing's fixed, nothing's.
0: No. It's
2: just, a, it's just It's like it's like you said, like we talked about with shortcuts. It's sort of just a. It's a snapshot of a moment in time, but it's not neatly encapsulated and wrapped up in any way.
0: So many disturbing parts to that film. Is first of all, mm. I mean, the the first bit is the is the deconstruction of the psyche of Pyle. That is just so awful to watch, knowing full well that you know he's going to go postal at some point. You know he's he's going to turn a corner, he's going to be trained as a marine, but that 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 little bit of empathy that he's got is going to go, and he's going to he's going to go full psycho.
2: And then you've got what's almost more disturbing, though. I, I know what you mean, but what's almost more disturbing with that is how easy it is to deconstruct and rebuild. Everyone else, yeah, Piles very much the anomaly in that for a fuckload of reasons, which we we all know about when you've seen it. But everyone else, with the ex- possible exception of Joker, just utterly takes it, goes for it. In in the and falls and falls in line in in more ways than one.
1: In in the original screenplay and, and maybe it was in the original book as well. The the drill instructor says to Pyle after he shot him. I'm proud of your son. I finally made you a killer, which is a bit too which is a bit too on the nose, you know. <laughs> right.
0: Glad well, they took that.
1: The, the other bit that they took out was at the end. Animal mother who pissed off that that Joker kills the 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 sort of kid sniper, just chops ch- chops the kid's head off and then holds it up and goes that that takes more and then throws the head into the camera. But they cut it out because Kubrick said. It's too violent. Yeah, it is. It's is too <laughs> violent. <laughs> that's the step too far.
0: I love the fact that it's like, it's like, no, it's like, mm, mm, mm. I think that's too violent. Yes. <laughs> uh, do you reckon mate? <laughs> <laughs> the, the end, it the ending is really, really dark. And yeah, when you find the sniper and it's what, it's like a 14, 15 year old girl. It's so upsetting.
1: It's so horrible. But, but that, 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 that. That that's the whole. I suppose the whole thing with Joker, isn't it, is that sort of duality, and he's he he's constantly trying to kind of buck against it, and then eventually he has to succumb to it, and that's like I suppose the whole thing is just about how how boys or men succumb to this and kind of just give up. I think yeah, you I think you feel with Joker.
0: I mean, by by the end of it, it's just like he's got to go if he wants to survive if he wants to survive that war, as opposed to just being behind the typewriter as he is for, you know, yeah. supposed to, you know, supposedly after basic, um, he has to fall in line with the rest of the nutters. Yeah. I mean, that's it's just mm. so, it's so tragic. It's horrible, but a brilliant film. The joke, the joke's on him
2: and the comedy's over by that stage, isn't it? Because he's. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So Matt, Fire so, away, some some notes. <laughs> oh, Christ, put your, put your feet up, John. It was
2: look, these weren't easy. Don't tell me you haven't it, even got it.
0: your notes ready, Matt. Jesus, no, no,
2: no, they're, they're here. Right. I'm, I'm, I'm holding them up. i just right. Full mail jacket. Uh,
0: they're shaving that's what, heads. That's what that's what it's called. Full mail jacket. Thanks for that. Come on. I'm just I'm reading what's on the paper.
2: <laughs> Does it say "By Matt Richards"? <laughs> By Matt Ritchie 44 and a half Virgin
1: Right Course. Yeah
2: <laughs> They're shaving heads Man I go closer These aren't hard Oh there's Modine Ah It's Vince Don for your eyes only <laughs> Hair pile ah, Nice uh, Modine giving it some balls Don't know why he said that Um ah gunnery sergeant's here he's offering a reach around <coughs> that line stayed with me <laughs> of course Ah, oh, here's going a pile these nicknames aren't right snowball for fuck's sake jesus love a montage a training montage uh, this weapon of iron and wood you will be faithful this is my rifle etc god that stayed with me too that sounds like that's genius <laughs> Here's another training montage. They're carrying Pile. You know where this is going. Cowboy's in town now, motherfucker. Pile's on. Pile's improving. His leg's over. Toe Jam! Jelly Donut. Oh, it's soap time. It never gets easier to watch this, does it? Joker cracks. Pile's not talking on parade. Book suppository. Snowball, great line. Zoom in on pile. What the fuck does that say? Vincent <laughs> roused for Joker fucks up. Pile ascends. Joker gets Jerno school. Nice. A room called Head. Great band they were. Piles on the shitter with his gun, loading his magazine. Not a euphemism. Ah, oh, that's where Full Metal Jacket came from. Vince, like the bloke from Men in Black Bye, Sarge Brain source <laughs> Fuck, just clean huh? <laughs> Are you ready, Boots? <laughs> Modine's grown his hair back Me so horny Oh, two live crew must have been listening to this baby <laughs> Bye, Kramer Bye, sorry, bye, camera He lost his camera <sighs> Oh yeah, something. They're walking along, they're talking, and they say something really horrible. And there's like so many racists must have been launched with that one quote from the film. Yeah. Ah, thousand Yard Stairs going on. They were a great act. Nil-nil after extra time.
0: Love this one. Like them, yeah, like them.
2: Bored journalists. Ah, some bells and alarms are going off as they're being attacked. Oh, it sounds like actually those bells and alarms sound like Where Eagles Dare. Freaky, must be really? a sound recording. Oh, right now they're in out and about. London's looking good, isn't it? <laughs> sorry, sorry, I mean Vietnam looks good. I've lost a page on my notes. That's not oh, good, that is it? it Won't <laughs> make any difference. <laughs> anyway, move on, move on. No, it genuinely won't make any difference. Now we've moved on. It's so coherent. It's absolutely it makes it complete sense. We've moved on through quite a significant amount. <laughs> Cowboy's is getting deep fucked for a tank. <laughs> Doc J and 8 are fucked. Stand down, mother. Mother gonna get it done. Mother gonna work it out. Oh, it's the Chemical Brothers. Who's fucking laughing now? There is someone called No-Nose. How does he smell? He can't. He doesn't have a nose. Cowboy's out, fluttering around like Bishop in Alien mother actually you look like a thinner pile Ooh, scrape 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 this music is eerie as fuck this car park is fucked girl sniper she's young modine shits it brat Becker shreds her mother's in charge now joker love that joker it's all gone a bit jean-michel jar as they decide about killing the sniper you ain't joking no more oh mickey mouse i like this but Walt Disney. Michael Hare's been involved. Sorry, the credits are rolled. Michael Hare's involved. Ah oh, yes. I remember reading dispatches in my A levels. That makes sense. Fuck! They've mentioned John Terry. <laughs> Hair by Leonard! <laughs> <laughs> Hair by Leonard. <sighs> okay, is that is that is that your lot? Well, there was another page, but Christ knows where that's gone. It'll probably Thank God you lost movie.
0: that. That was a long one. Right. Moving on. So <laughs> so um, to continue the grand bags link, which actor did we decide to follow from Full Metal Jacket? Was it Lee Ermey? Lee Ermey, the, the drill instructor, yeah. And we chose a film which John and I are super fond of. Um, I think it was another one of those that a stayed around your house, seven Napier place. Yeah. And it was another, another sky job. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> when,
1: when they just had a back catalog
0: of movies, they which did, no one else wanted to see.
1: They just bulk, bulk uh, bought, bought a load of stuff that was straight to video. Yeah. So
0: this, this film is called Hexed and it stars. First of all, let's, uh, the jury's out on the pronunciation originally i always used to call him air gross then it's like hold on it must be ira gross and then i looked up ira how to pronounce ira as in how this is spelled a y r e i believe that's right isn't it it is and lots of site. i mean i mean going on name sites is a bit odd because everyone thinks you're trying to name a baby but it was like one of the pronunciations was hey and I thought well, that was brilliant because hey, if gross. You've got an accent yeah because if you've got an accent like mine it's perfect so it's like, just say someone goes like here you are rants here's a shit sandwich and you go hey gross <laughs> yeah, that's that's all I've got that's all I got that's all I got it's also the way you order condoms isn't it <laughs> Speaking of which, do you remember that condom I sent you, John? That was brilliant.
1: Oh God, yeah, yeah, I do, yeah. So
0: still got so, it. Still so got I,
1: used
0: it. To, I used to post appalling things to John just for a laugh when we were kids. Um, anytime I got a stamp, I was just like, "Oh, here's an opportunity." I sent him a banana. Anytime spin. you got a stamp, how did I get a stamp?
1: You I was know, in luck for <laughs> my birthday. Oh, ah, and your mum, your mum. You sent me a banana as well. Yeah, uh, yeah, mashed up. <laughs> I remember the, uh, the condom one,
0: right? <laughs> and your mum was like, hmm, I think there's a letter from Simon for you, John. <laughs> it's just it's like, a French mm-hmm. letter. Yep. Anyway,
1: I digress. So we're talking about the film Hexed. So when we saw this, it was called All Shook Up, right? I'm not... That's right, forgetting yeah. Forgetting. It was, yeah. Because it took me ages because to find this, because i only knew it as All Shook Up. Because
0: I'd, I'd, I'd asked John to, like, go on a mission just to find... Because there's one particular scene in it, which I think is probably the funniest thing I've ever seen in a movie. It's absolutely amazing. And he managed to find it, and it's just like, oh, it's called Hex now. Well, it was obviously always called Hex. So... It's made in 93. It's from Columbia Studios. So the the link is Ali Ermi, but the main star is Ira or Air or, A. Hey, gross. It also stars Claudia Christian. Is it Christian or Christian? Christian. And the, and the great Adrian Shelley. And am I right to say, I, I don't know if this is um, just a bizarre dream I had or if this is real, the late
1: Adrian Shelley, right? was she not murdered she was murdered in 2008 um and at first they thought she had committed suicide um broke into and they, somebody broke into her house and 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 beat her up and and hung her and um because when i watched this and saw her in it i suddenly had this sort of flashback to all those early 90s hal hartley films and i was like oh, well, I know, wow I mean, she's yeah. amazing she's amazing and then i was like whatever happened to her why is she not in films anymore and then yeah I found out she's dead. How how dark is that? Not just dead. I mean, beaten, uh, beaten half to death and then hanged. And the irony of that is is because Aya Gross reminds me so much of Griffin Dunn in, a, in our previous film, and his sister yeah. was murdered in a similar way. So, yeah. Well, I the, mean, you're closing the doors there, John. i <laughs> <laughs> I don't
0: even know I'm laughing. This is appalling.
1: Um, I try to make the grand bag threads stronger.
0: Yeah, I I understand, but I think I I think you're going down the wrong rabbit hole there. I mean Q and on would be all over that one. So yeah. um just going back to Ira or Air or A E Gross, um John and I have always really loved him. And as before, we really love Griffin Dunn and we also really love Frank Whaley. I kind of put those three, I mean, those three should be in a movie together. It'd be amazing. These yeah. three great character actors. So yeah, um tell us uh, about the, I mean, it's, oh, tell us about the movie in general and any background you've got on it. I know there's not a lot, but I know that it's made, it's written and directed by Alan Spencer, right? Who made Sledgehammer, yeah, and um, the was TV a, show which which was like,
1: an amazing oh, show.
0: Oh, hysterical, and it was, it was, really it was good.
1: I suppose, you know, it, it's it links very much with police story, uh, um, yeah, and then it and, and and this whole film has a. At times, Zucker esque feel throughout. Like there's there's jokes in there that are Zucker esque, but but yeah, I mean, and and he's not made a lot else. No, apparently, no, apparently, he hasn't. Apparently, he is like the top top paid uh, comedy script doctor in Hollywood. Yeah, he's the rewrite man, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's made yeah, a fortune yeah. doing that over the years. And and this was this was a bitter experience for him because the studio made him recut it. He he didn't want it to come across as a spoof and they wanted okay. to make it a spoof so he didn't do the final cut on it which kind of makes sense when you watch it it doesn't feel tonally all in the same ballpark it's all over the place isn't it because i
2: i watched it and was thinking what is this
0: god oh, I, I mean
2: there are, be there i mean there are there a, are some yeah. scenes where it's absolutely spoof and there are some scenes where it's screwball and like you were saying john about griffin dunn and after hours and making that link i, I, I went straight to after hours because it was just getting progressively weirder and weirder and weirder and that situation so i can see how it links to that but yeah it's
1: it's also got a certain it's got that kind of one-liner in it it's it's got that kind of mel brooks one-liner snappy stuff and i i found out that actually uh uh, Alan Spencer grew when he was like fourteen. He was hanging around the set of Young Frankenstein, and him and Marty. That's uh, right. He would, him and Marty Feldman became really good mates. That's right. Yeah, he broke into the set pretty much. Yeah, and then so he he became really good friends with with Marty Feldman, who then died not long after. And then um, he he also became really good friends with um, oh the guy's name Andy Kaufman. So he, he was yeah, really good friends with yeah. him. And so I think you can kind of. It's it's like the the hotel owner has a, a a whole Mel Brooks kind of vibe in there as well. Oh, big time! He's amazing. He's brilliant, man. Oh, and there are, there are just <laughs> so many good one liners. Oh, it's
0: great. I mean, there are. <clears throat> it's fair to say. I mean, Matt says it's a it's a bit it's a mess. So. I don't think it is. I think the chaos is what makes it work. I think without the chaos, it doesn't work. So yeah, there's a lot of misses, but the hits are, uh, hits are bullseyes. Do you know what I mean? That's so funny. Like punch, punch it, punching the priest in the face. Uh, <laughs> i mean, <laughs> just remember. The death of the groom. <laughs> oh my God. That's the fun. That's the scene.
1: It's the funniest scene I've ever seen. My- you killed my son. <laughs> when the guys when the guy's being beaten up and he goes wait I'm a Republican
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's just so good Oh it's so funny
2: fireworks just gave me a flashback to Vietnam You were in Vietnam no but there are a lot of movies You're a pitiful fuck Welsh I've hated guys
1: like you all my life heterosexuals colder <laughs> I'.
2: Come here, little mom. I have something for you.
0: Yes. Remember the story about the boy who cried wolf, huh?
1: Okay. Wait, I'm a Republican! Ow!
0: Ow. Ow. Oh, no!
1: sex games we can play do you have mayonnaise and a rake
0: now you can count on being in this room all night little lady i'm divorced with no charisma
2: i've got nowhere to go why 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 it's not that i think it's a mess i just think it didn't quite know what it was meant to be because as you're watching it it It's neither fish nor fowl in terms
1: of a comedy, and and that's fine. But I, I think like I was really worried going in. I thought it was going to be a bit like Kentucky Fried Movie, which is like we found this fucking hilarious as kids, and it's going to really fall flat. But I was amazed. It was just like, no, it's got it. It, it, it just too. There were so many punches early on. Just one line. Like I love that bit where he goes. goes, uh, Um. I've hated people like you my whole life. What heterosexuals? <laughs> <laughs> like, just, these one-liners. That, <laughs> doesn't,
0: doesn't he come out? Doesn't he come out of the office and just like and he goes, you packed your bags and he's he like, he, he, he didn't let me go. So, and what does he say about him being forgiving? Doesn't he say it's just like, oh, Jews—they're so forgiving. <laughs> That's it. <laughs>
2: Well, there's a the bit when Lee Ermy leaps off the car uh, later <laughs> on when he's chasing a gross and just like falls flat on his face and comes up and he's got the splatted cigar over his face. So there's that slapstick next to
1: those. He goes, hit me with a lead pipe. What are you waiting for? Yeah. <laughs> and th- th- there's, so, there's so many, or, I mean, it, it becomes noticeable to me now. Uh, now that I understand a little bit how films are made, but I think it it, it hit me as funny at the time is there's loads of lines that have been overdubbed to just like, like added in and and, or or to accentuate the, like just even like the guy eating the cake at the beginning, which is like, (laughs) and like, there had to be the sim like what? What the hell is the director saying? Symbolism? Why? Like this? This Chinese guy just eating America as a cake, munching all <laughs> the cake slowly. Yeah, it was,
0: yeah, that was that was odd.
1: There's lots of that throughout. What's the name of the lady
2: that plays um, Pexina? Sorry, I uh, should know this, but uh, Claudia, uh, Christian. Claudia Christian. She's astonishing. Yeah. in this, her level of I'm
0: insanity. <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's one of my favourite uh, lines. She's brilliant. Oh, she's so she crazy, plays though. it really she's well, so and, and and I think like the chemistry between her and Arya Gross, and and then the assistant manager is just fucking genius. Get
0: off me! me. Get <laughs> off! He's got forks back in his back.
2: I thought for a while she was Catherine O'Hara when I was first watching it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I
1: can see that. Yeah. But then you suddenly realize, no, hang on, I know it's not, but. but like when the assistant mani- manager walks in and he goes, books. Simon. Yeah. yeah. He goes, Books. <laughs> Wax. Geek. He looks at a basket, <laughs> he looks
0: at there's a there's a basketball hoop just above the door and he goes, Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> That, we that, even told, we've, we've completely gone off on. We haven't even sorry. said what the film's about. Nothing, okay, so right, so. can, you, can you do that? Uh, just so, quickly, though. The so mime sequence is amazing. Uh,
1: so, so the the film is she essentially takes about the mime. Up. I think. I think the scene where she punches the mime guy is the scene where you go like, "This isn't the film that I thought." Like, you don't. I, All bets are off. You don't know where it's gonna go. And it keeps it keeps doing that. And and the hour and a half just fucking flies by. I mean, essentially the film I suppose the film is a boy cries wolf parable, right? And and so the idea is is you've got this this guy who who leads a fairly boring life as a hotel clerk and he lies to everybody, but always sort of fantasizes about amazing things, and he tells everybody that he's dating. it's Walter Mitty. Yeah, it's Walter Smithy, and and he, he tells everybody that he's dated this model, and then she happens to be staying at this hotel of the night, and then he gets embroiled in. Uh, she's being blackmailed, and he he sees an opportunity to jump in and and have a date with her, and then she tries to kill him, and then it just goes it just goes fucking bananas from them because it, it it's a comedy of errors constantly throughout, but it just gets more and more outrageous and outlandish and it is it's very it's very zucker like in that sense it is but it's
0: better i think yeah, it's I, better i think because it's not just cheap shots no it's it's the best film the zucker brothers never made it's yeah. it's like it's yeah there are there are lots of like sort of you know the odd crew the odd crude like handoff and like throwaway line which sometimes feels one too many but the majority the majority of the time i think it's pretty on the money
1: I mean, you just don't see films like this at all anymore. And it was made like right. it, it was a really low, but quite a low budget film, on, and made on an incredibly tight timescale. And they only had a couple of locations, and it's like every everything has been milked to the end. I mean, even like like when he's hanging at the end, why? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's but it, but I
0: mean that that in a that. F- maybe it's the vibe of the film as well right do you know what i mean just like the whole feel of it because if that was in um an abrams or abram zucker movie that you'd be like oh god you know there's yeah. another one you know but in this he'd be, he'd be further
2: up he'd be further up the Y if it was a zucker abrams thing and it would be absolutely signposted i know he's hanging off a signpost but
1: it would be yeah. i think yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I think the reason this like and I, I recently watched airplane not that long ago. Um, and it was nowhere near as funny as, as I remember it. and people talk about it being like the funniest thing ever and I think what it really comes down to is uh, I, gross he sells it better than, <laughs> he sells it better than like Val Kilmer does in top secret he sells it better than yeah. Robert whatever his name is in in Airpl- like he, he's just a better comedy actor. He's brilliant and he just does it really well. I think he's such an underrated actor. I really really like him. I think he's such a good actor. And I think, likewise, Claudia Christian is a better sort of female character in this than any of the female characters in in any of the the Zachary Abrams stuff as well. So I just think there's a this brilliant combination works. I
0: mean, but if you if you look, I mean, if you look at, <clears throat> excuse me, all the characters throughout it, they all work, right? Adrian Shelley. Uh, Adrian Shadows character is great. I mean, the guy who plays Simon, the assistant manager, he's amazing.
1: <laughs> he's just brilliant. He's, so he's like
0: good. the perfect. He's the perfect shithead. And even yeah. even even the bit parts. The guy's in charge of the couple's amazing. Oh, he's brilliant. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: And when he when he when he's interviewed, and he just starts breaking down. The weirdest bit though was the priest. When we had the priest watching that video, I touched myself. That was weird. Divinals, yeah. Did you see that? They are uh, there watching that's porn. Yeah.
2: yeah. But he signposts it at the start, doesn't he? He's like, "Do, do all your rooms have adult pornographic animals. TV channels? Will that be a problem? Not at all." Yeah. Here we know.
0: <laughs> it's brilliant. I, I just remember that song from City College Norwich that seemed to be on every lunch break, bizarrely, while we were all like eating appalling food. So that film. So that songs. So that songs made. What is it?
2: That film and um what's your what's your man with uh the teeth
0: the man with the teeth <laughs> Roger Rabbit
2: <laughs> no the bloke with the teeth and he's
0: the got bloke with the teeth Mike
2: Myers in it Mike Myers teeth oh, Austin, Austin Powers Powered.
1: thanks for that Hallie Wells we'll be right back after this quick word from our sponsor
0: yep the world's gone to the dogs you can't go out see your friends or your family. Do you really want to watch another box set? Do you really want to do another jigsaw puzzle? Depression is a serious matter. So the new antidepressant from Stiffed Crack House Line is what the world needs now. Hey! Available from all e-dealers and the dark web. Hey! From miserableism. To this <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: because mental health is some serious shit Take E, and let's fuck it all up.
1: So what was your internal monologue, Matt? Fire, fire, fire oh, right, as, as we were watching yeah, as you were watching X. All right, then. Here okay. we go. <sighs> Ooh, it's an 80s rocker. What's this tune?
2: Oh, Divine yeah. Thing. That sounds like Airhead. Soup Dragons. Ooh, is it? Oh, my. Sounds like, sounds like Airhead. It
0: does. Don't it's my is, fucking it's so Soup it's, Dragons. It's, it's the 90s, of Soup Dragons. Sounds, sounds that's like why I, that's why I sent that link I said I've been listening to the Soup Dragons because of the movie why do you think I sent you the Soup Dragons because like it's my favourite album ever back back to your notes sounds like eh to me <laughs> you're
1: the music expert on this show for fuck's
0: sake <laughs> oh, gosh, yeah, I've listened to everything
1: everything
2: ever I thought you might have been watching that documentary that was about Scottish music that was on Sky Arts the other day that I didn't watch ooh Green Eyes ooh Someone called Brandis Kemp is involved in this film. Brandis! Oh, not Londis. Nice Art Deco writing slash font. Oh, that's a snotty nod from R. Ah, 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 gross. <laughs> to the car, dude. That's a big old slab of cake you got there, boy. <laughs> oh, there's a snub to Victor. I, uh, was he ever big? Is his accent British? What? Whatever it is, he's a smooth fucker. Fuck me, he's eating the whole cake. Good lad. <coughs> Quick gin and a wank, is it, uh... are <laughs> Simon's a smug cunt. <laughs> and so's the character. <laughs> Victor's still a cunt. This is not good for Matthew. Oh, shit. Kenny G! Some Walter Mitty shizzle going on here fuck me it's jesus and mary jane
0: i remember that don't like
2: simon and the character's a cunt too (laughs) porn priest (laughs) disappointing sandwich synth funk hexena hates simon and the character (laughs) etc gloria's gonna be disappointed matthew's weird a bit freaky the character obviously Ooh, white suit oh it's like gene wilder in woman in red yeah love Meet by the bins TV dinners Grumble Inspiration for Faith No More's RV Henry Pratt's here Fucking mimes Ace She punched him I say that's forward They're having sex now She is European I guess Fuck me (laughs) That's as sexy As Police Academy And George Whatever his name was When he's having a shag With the um, Instructor lady Papa Nicole Matthew was great Huckleberry tackleberry that's no no george who was i think it might have been please getting me too. george the guy who was fake greek anyway we move on papa nicole she's really going for it matthew was great that makes sense oh knives here we go she's got a gun matthew's calming her down naturally oh she shot him <laughs> someone has a yen for cheesecake six fucking years world's smallest Billy Bass that face at the window that must have inspired Kingpin here's Big Lee Ermie it's turning into a Zucker Brothers film for those not seeing this on video I'm pointing at the other two now go, hey you said this before I wrote this down Gloria recreates Monk's The Scream Simon punches the wanking priest, <laughs> standard <laughs> it's free now as a Gross walks out of someone else's bathroom Simon's bust fucking bonkers she's missed her plane a woman waits to have sex with Matthew <laughs> I see Simon's in the fridge Simon looks like he's trying to give Matthew a gobble on the steps let's move on from that it's all turning a bit after hours ooh jazz funk synth simon's on the edge matthew's not pushed him far enough yeah fill in the blanks levine kills him he promised he would this is just getting silly now you little greek coated fuck i don't know what that means um there's a hitchcock fall with his hitchcock fall with his cock out for victor police interrogation and a champagne brunch oh that poor bellhop Shampers and gas someone's punched the bride oh now there's a dead groom this is a farce I love it (laughs) guitar all the genres jelly beans grassy sheep another peyote chewing sicko screaming for recognition that's a great line you filthy hippie I love that line too (laughs) I'm divorced with no charisma and I'm not going anywhere that's fucking ace (laughs) now there's some crazy cartwheels Crazy lady doing crazy cartwheels. It's Jan Hammer time. Always like hardware through the steam. Ooh, flashback. Another link. Wanky priest has a visit from God. Matthew's back. Yeah. Always in a full body cast. The mime was reluctant to talk. I fucking love that line. Ah, the green eyes are back. Hex 2, the hex name. Dare we dream?
0: Very good that was good
2: my heart skipped a beat with joy when i was like oh hang on a minute the cunty is called simon
0: <laughs> i knew it the, the character's called matthew <laughs> this is genius <laughs> yeah. needless to say no one went and saw this film um but what a movie i love this film love it i, I mean
1: i can't i can't get over that it has such bad ratings on like imdb and stuff I'm like, i was like And yet some people see exactly what we see in it, but not enough. And I'm like, I don't get it. This is the one that Rachel walked away and was like, this is
0: fucking shit. (laughs) 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 Oh.
2: Wow. Okay. Well, you know, it's, well, I've, I've never seen it, never heard of it until
1: you guys suggested it. But see, Matt, you, you you didn't spend enough time watching Sky with us as teenagers, like at two o'clock in the morning, after we'd after we after we'd nicked your parents' wine and then gone to my house, we we would we would sit up all night watching this kind of stuff, <laughs> just yeah. dying, laughing incessantly.
0: We would have asked you to come as well, but you couldn't drive by then, so you weren't of any use. <laughs> <laughs> I'm only joking, Matt. I love you, darling. You know I do. I thought um that was great. Now, so we're going to move on to the third movie. Sorry,
2: hang on, hang on. You, you mentioned this before, just now, but so that literally no one watched this film. Did anyone watch this film? Did anyone oh, enjoy I, it? Does it?
0: Apart, don't ever
2: talk about it.
0: Yeah, apart from John and now you. I don't know anyone else who's seen it. I don't know. I've talked about it, as a, and I've and I've shared that scene which John tracked down, and I get the same feedback. So I was like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah." I'm like, Are "You having a fucking laugh?" That's got to be the funniest thing I've ever seen in
1: my life, apart from when Matt does his joke. Obviously, once once our million or so li- subscribers listen to this aya Gross's royalties are going to come back in he's going to be in the in, in back in the big time well i mean
2: john when you do all the promotion for this definitely make sure that you mention hexed in bold really big font that this is you know central point of the whole fucking podcast is well, Hext, i think i think this film uh, that apparently three people have watched
0: i think i think the central part is ira air a gross he is he's the star of this podcast a? and he's and he's our link to the next movie Another you know, this is another one of my favourites and another often overlooked film by a chap called Joe Roth. It's a film called Coupe de Ville, starring Alan Arkin, who is um, a retired dude living in Florida uh, with his wife. He's a very argumentative man, um, very funny, very angry, and he's got three sons all of which cannot stand each other right and they are played by patrick dempsey who's kind of like the sort of young rebel um daniel stern who's the who's the older brother who's in the air force and he's a you know comes across as a bit of a dick but um he's like he's the eldest so he's the leader and then the middle brother is the romantic buddy played by air ira a gross hey uh-huh. And this is his best movie, I think. He's brilliant in this. He's, he plays Buddy. Then um, the whole the whole premise of this film is essentially that Alan Arkin, the dad, asks the brothers, um, unbeknownst to them, that they're all going to meet up, but they are going to drive a Coupe de Ville Cadillac um, from Detroit to um, South Florida for his wife their mum's birthday present boys what do you think
1: i i i had never i'd never actually sat down and watched this before um so i thought i'd seen it but then i realized i hadn't um the the thing that really struck for some reason i always identify alan arkin as your dad (laughs) yeah there's something yeah, about like yeah. in 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 in, ev- in everything I've ever seen him in. There's always a little bit of your dad somewhere <laughs> in 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 the way he 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 says stuff. So I instantly kind of went there and could start, and then I instantly start seeing a bit of you in Aya Gross, Patrick Dempsey, and, and Daniel Stern. Less so in Daniel Stern, but. Um, I, no, I enjoyed it. It, it. It's a very... Fuck, that's absolutely bang on. That's absolutely bang on.
2: Geller is Daniel Stern. Yeah. Rance is I, gross. Dan's not buddy, but... He could a be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He yeah. could be. Yeah, Jesus, that's... That's why you
1: love it so much.
0: I, I mean, I don't... I, I mean, I loved it long before um, my little brother was born. I've got to say that. I remember seeing... Um, oh, when did it come out? What what year did it come out? Nineteen ninety. Was it 1990? So it was on yeah. film 90. It was on Barry Norman's film 90. And he was talking about it and said, this is great. You've, you know, it's not really going to see it. And he showed a clip of it and it was the clip when they all fall asleep. And he drives off piste, you know, the kind of the crappiest bit of the film really, which is a bizarre thing to choose. But, um, I just, I I love the vibe of it straight away. The kind of like sort of Rockwellian feel to it. It's the 50s America, you know, looks absolutely peachy perfect. And I'm sure it was if you were a Jewish white dude who had a bit of money, like this family are, but if you are a black dude, 1950s America was hell on earth. No, but they, they weren't, they're not a rich family, are they? They're all. No, it's, a, it's it's an upper middle class family though, for sure. Do you know what I mean? They've, he's, he's, yeah. They've got a fucking boat, mate. They've got a boat. Yeah, true, true, true. Anyway, so I, I, just, I loved, I loved the feel of it, the, the scent of, the sense of the warmth of the weather, all of that. I just think it's really well encapsulated in the film. And you get this really nice, really nice vibe when they're all sleeping outside, the sound of the crickets and stuff. I don't know it's the, it's the kind of america i've always wanted to go to but probably never really existed if that makes sense you know i'd love to see i'd love to see the friendly deep south in the 50s did it exist i don't know but if it did i'd uh, that's what i want to see well it probably was really friendly if you were a, a, a young white dude but yeah
1: yeah yeah but it's funny because it, it there's a there's a lot of synergy with this with i felt like it has a a synergy with like Stand By Me, and it may be just the soundtrack, it, it, but it, it's got that kind of nostalgic look at something, as you say, and and I think or um, the Wonder Years, it's, it's got a very and, and and American Graffiti, and American Graffiti, yeah. So it, it kind of ties into all of those things, and um, the, the, there's a dan- there's a danger where there were there were a number of films. In the 90s, that started to follow this formula. But I think this was one of the earlier ones, but has been overlooked.
0: Overlooked? Blimey, you can't get a hold of this either. It's a nightmare, unless you're John Harmon. <laughs> I could never get a hold of this film. Um, I remember hiring it out from Cashcut Cut, North Walsham, um, because I couldn't find anywhere in Norfolk when I was growing up that it got a cinema release to. I mean, it, it would have got something like Odium Panton Street, screen three, do you know what I mean, in London. And that would have been it um so i never got to see a theatrical release of it uh hide it out on video i absolutely loved it and after that i you know i, I couldn't get a hold of it um i ended up finding it in a charity shop once big box 2020 vision if i remember correctly god what a loser i am um and uh and I just, I, I would, I would just repeatedly watch it, repeatedly. I just loved it, loved it so much. And I love his character, Ira Gross's character, Buddy. He's yeah. just like, he is ace, you know. He's like, he's who you want to be. Do you know what I mean? He's so great. Um, it's interesting that brand- they're all,
2: they're all slightly broken,
0: though, aren't they? Yeah, 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 yeah.
2: yeah. Even, even Ira Gross's character is, he's slightly delusional in some way. Yeah, yeah. Well, I
0: think if, if everyone.
2: Br- ev- everyone in fact, in the film, is delusional to a yeah. degree.
0: I think um, the vibe you get about the brothers is quite funny. And when when you were talking about it, it's like, oh, that's why you like it, because it reminds you of this. It's not so much that. But when I was watching it this time, I was thinking, well, uh, to me, I feel like I'm Buddy. Do you know what I mean? But to my little brother, I bet he thinks I'm Marvin. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> he was like... He probably, think, yeah, but then oh, that makes Giller buddy, and that's not right. No, that's weird. Um, yeah, so
1: it's just got it's just such a nice movie, isn't it? It's funny because Aya Gross was originally the narrator in the Wonder Years. That's right. Yeah, and then he got replaced by Daniel Stern. <laughs> in fact, After I don't. The, I think he, he did, he did the, the pilot. He did the pilot, but then I think they even took him off the pilot. Yeah, they did. Yeah, the, retroactively. Yeah, yeah. How bizarre. It's funny because there is a there is a strong Wonder Years vibe in there as well in that in that yeah in the whole yeah yeah thing it's
0: better it's better than the Wonder Years the the Wonder Years after ten minutes to Wonder Years I want to stick my fingers down my throat and vom you know what I mean it's just like oh except goodness, so,
1: did you ever hear somebody once told me that the you know the the sort of more nebbish Jewish kid in the Wonder Years I can never remember what the character's name is yeah, but yeah, somebody yeah. told me that that was played by Marilyn Manson as a kid. <laughs> <laughs> and then it was like for ages I had this 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 false fact in my head because he does look a bit like him, and you could go, oh yeah, I could see that. But yeah, it's it's
0: complete bollocks. One of those legendary false facts, like Stan Laurel being Clint Eastwood's dad. You ever heard that one? I've never heard that You've one. Never before. heard it, haven't you? No. Fuck no. Oh, I have. I just,
2: yeah. Well, just look, edit out the bit where we discuss that that's not true, and we'll just leave that in, and let's use that as evidence <laughs> somewhere. Stan Laurel. Is Clint Eastwood's dad? <laughs> that's
0: amazing. Kind of looks looks similar. Yeah, yeah. One's, one's from Lancashire though, and the other one's from Northern California. So that's a bit bit of a bit of a stretch. Yeah, I mean, Clint Eastwood's from Bolton, obviously. <laughs> Origi- originally, <laughs> <laughs> I fired six shots, or only five. You bastard. <laughs> In all this excitement, enough. I forgot myself. Do you feel lucky? Well, do you, you punk? Get to foot. Can, 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 we, can we just we've get lost, we've lost all three? We've lost all three Mancunian listeners there. I'm afraid we
1: are definitely getting we're gonna we're gonna redub various <laughs> Clint Eastwood <laughs> films and, and just stick it out on the instas. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'll do them all, man. Do them all, mate. No, all do man. Do all all yeah. <laughs> So the the, <laughs> inter- the, inter- the interesting thing about it that the car that they're driving isn't a coupe de ville. is it not? no, it's it's it uh, a coupe de ville isn't a convertible, so it it's actually a, a series sixty two convertible. it's not a Coupe, which I th- it made no sense to me. No. Why is it called Coupe deville? I've been shortchanged. See, if I knew
0: anything about cars, I'd be fuming.
2: maybe because and this might be giving it away. No one actually cares about the car in the end. Um,
1: oh, and yeah, that's really mind. deep, Matt. Um, and I suppose calling the film Series two sixty two 62 convertible would have been shit. <laughs> yeah, That would have been a very shit name. Series 2 would have, that been would have really made it even confusing. harder it's to just find. We really haven't about. seen the first one. Yeah, yeah. But th- this was an absolute box office bomb, apparently. It, it made fuck yeah, that, yeah, yeah, yeah. Bizarre. Don't understand. Did it make more than hexed? Was it Ro- Roger Ebert gave it one star and said there is what? something, there is something, something deadening about the kind of formula picture where you know with absolute certainty what is going to happen and how and why. Mean. I can kind of see that though. Mean
2: it is mean it is really cruel and it's really mean but it's also sort of true but that
0: doesn't mean it's shit it's that you know that there's it, going just because you know it's going to happen sometimes sometimes the journey is the pleasure absolutely and that's the point i'm trying to make it it's fine it's what i'd say to i've, roger I've never ebert, seen this film until i say to it. roger ebert is what alan arkin says it's like take off
1: if you're going to take off but that that whole scene with louis louis is like fucking genius where they're basically yeah
2: or oh, what, the what where they're where yeah, they're, yeah, yeah right. what it means love, uh, Shanty. yeah yeah, yeah tonight at 10 a layer again oh it's brilliant and how timely that the world is talking about sea shanties on twitter again
0: oh, how old. another link bizarre
1: bizarre
0: Every,
2: everyone's banging on oh, well, everyone i say everyone people on twitter are banging on about sea shanties at the moment for our listeners in 2027 there was a brief moment in january 2021 when people were talking about CJ. And again, so Matt, Val, Kil- Val Kilmer
1: should have been in this film. Why? How? No. Who would uh, have been in this? It's, it's okay. his own, in his own head. <laughs> false <laughs> no. flag, false flag. Anyway, Matt, quickly,
0: just regarding um, Val, your buddy, so just just quickly listen. If you've not listened to any of our episodes, uh, any of our other episodes, Matt... Um, Where were you? Matt tries to... Um, chat to various people that we've talked about in various films and he's he's is through is it through twitter or instagram you do it, or just whatever social media twitter okay anyway he's tried to communicate with um val kilmer sent him a long message got nothing back um he's just messaged air ira a gross got got anything back from him
2: well i Probably not, given that my first question was, how do you pronounce your name?
0: When you say that's your first question, was that your your only question? Because he's going to think, who's this fucking...
2: No, no, no. Uh, Hello, at Gross or whatever his Twitter handle is. And then, um, how do you pronounce your name? And hello, um, we're recording a podcast about such and such. Um, It would be very nice to talk to you. Nothing. Uh no but give the lad his due it it was probably quite early in the morning he has been very prolific on the twitters recently um largely complaining about Donald Trump oh good
0: thank god can
2: you imagine if he was a nagger look i think from my side of things based on what i've read of his tweets today i'd quite like to talk to him oh. I think he just needs to probably meet me halfway and want to talk <laughs> yeah. to me. Uh-huh. Which is admittedly where we might fall down. But I have offered him the chance he can either come on
0: mm.
2: and join
1: in for this or he can or he can respond to some emails. It's up to him. But we've been so fucking mugged off by like, like I actually know Private Snowball in bloody full metal oh. jacket fucking reached out for him and he coated me off not reached around. Reach oh, what,
0: around. So, so what did you say to him? So it's like, oh, we're doing full metal jacket. We'd really like to get you yeah. on. Or just have a chat. We'd really like yeah. to get you on. You know,
1: it's the only fucking film you've been in other than octopusy, And uh, you banged on about it at uni, like, cause you were in full metal jacket. It'd be great. Like actually use those anecdotes. You know, and uh, it, it went back and forward. And then it was like, nah. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you wouldn't want to spoil his chances of acting again. If you if you're out there, Snowball, fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> oh dear. Okay.
0: So, the movie is is a very very it's a very very straightforward, sweet film. Um, gets a tiny bit sentimental in parts, but never massively to the point where it's gushing. And it's about the healing of these three brothers. Um, yeah, and that they bicker their way from Detroit to Miami and um it turns out that the dad uh is dying and um the whole the whole plan all along was just to get the brothers together to heal them for his mum, for their mum and for him too. And so I don't know. He could fucking just die happily. Um but Alan Arkin's character in this movie is never going to be happy. Uh, he's, I think, one of the best, another one of the great performances, sorry, in this film is his brother.
1: <laughs> he's just brilliant. You Pudge, You that What's his name, Uncle? I just, that whole thing about calling the three Gabonis was great. Yeah. The three jabonies. Because that's the four jabonies. Yeah, I mean, it's just so many great scenes in it. Like- the only thing I didn't get is, like, the whole family are, like, very strongly Jewish. Alan Arkin is, and then he comes in, and he's an Italian-American. It was, like, it like so obviously an Italian-American as well. <laughs> I, know, I, know.
0: Like- I know, it's just, like, <laughs> there, wasn't- there wasn't any Jewish New Yorkers who had moved to Miami left. It's just, like, well, we- we've got this Italian dude who'll put him in. I know, and like, he just doesn't look like any of them. He's sitting, he's, he's sitting there tan to hell with his huge cigar. And you've got these
2: three awkward boys sitting on the sofa. But that makes a sort of sense in that all three brothers at that in that particular generation don't know each other and have nothing in common. Mm. And at the level above that with Alan Arkin, it's the
0: same,
2: they are so separated and completely different and have nothing in common you know businessman gambler inventor yada 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 that sort of makes sense yeah admittedly you know it's italian and
1: they're so different they're of a completely different lineage
0: yeah it's the era right post-war era america's changing services are recruiting you've got the teenage rebel who's actually not a rebel at all he's a super geek with a coin collection that's quite sweet, that part. Um, anyway, I could, go, I could go on and on and on about it, but <clears throat> there's there's a few standout scenes. I love the scene when he goes to see Tammy and he comes back after being beaten up and he goes like, I met Rick prior to that. He says, yeah, that's good. Yeah, sex. And then he just collapses. And then Daniel Stern inadvertently goes around, beats the hell out of him. and I don't know, this these these brothers come together and it's it's a very sweet film. I highly recommend it anyway. And Matt's gonna tell us what the inside of his head thought of it right now. Right. Okay. Ooh, science.
2: Spacious. The credits are opening. There's some warring brothers. There's a mullet in pants. <laughs> Wrestling in Spain. And pants. Glaring we're now 11 years later brothers dad's brought them together sneaky and lo the sniping begins fucking Bobby oh hang on it's McDreamy from Grey's Anatomy I'm so sorry everybody I watched 18 series of fucking Grey's Anatomy oh hang on a minute he was also in Can't Buy Me Love. Yeah,
0: there's a movie. That was great.
2: Bobby's a twat. <laughs> I quite like Martin. <laughs> that shows your I must. <laughs> Dad's ace. Put Buddy on. Buddy. He's the voice of reason. Flick the butt onto the seat. I did that once in me mum's green Renault 5. Who died and made you king shit? That's the line of the film. (laughs) The stoplight of tomorrow. This soundtrack's ace. Someone's sick on the bridge. Cops, ooh, hit the signs. Headlights, someone's about to shit a gasket. Big fives, they've spent a lot. I don't like fruit. Got a nectarine. Almost tenderness in the hay bales between Bobby and Buddy. That's quite lovely. Did you fuck her <laughs> Lovely look at the tractor in the background. Yeah, oh yeah. Lovely tractor. Lovely tractor. Don't tell me when to hate you. I hate you all the time. That's a great <laughs> line. Buddy goes hardcore for him. old oh, mannered buddy. Oh bloody hell, Dad's dying, isn't he? Fuck. Fucking stuckies. Sick of this advert. Louie Louie! A sea shanty ooh topical classy arguing wang on Bobby's fucked the roof swallowed the fly buddy ooh asleep like it's National Lampoon he's driving all over the place he's not killed the cow yeah I thought that in the pond buddy feels like Chris Rea should be playing while they're driving home for Christmas That scene in the field is fucking brutal. Oh, Dad. Oh, Buddy. Oh, Tammy. Why not, Buddy? Tammy Winnetta, why not? Uncle Phil, he ain't no use. That greyhound's gonna be fucking useless. I bet Foxy's a twat. Shabop, shabop. No, Buddy. Move on, Buddy. Smooth-talking fucking bastard. Marvin, don't fuck the pooch Rick's not happy We had sex (laughs) Billy and Bobby Land on coins Tammy's back Yeah, fuck you Bobby Marvin's not a cunt Brilliant, I knew it Brotherly hug The The glass slipper fits The stop sign's moving Oh fuck Fuck you Rick and Rick mate Louis Louie granddad, fuck shit up. What so close? They were so close to home. Do you not remember that when the granddad drives around the corner? Oh, yeah. yeah. It's just like, yeah, you know, this is coming. Oh, the drive is the thing. Marvin's face has changed by the end of the film. That's lovely.
1: <laughs> I love that yeah, film. It's lovely. It's, it's, That's it's funny nice. how the- Joe Roth has hardly made any films, has he, like, as a director? That's another... No, it's another one. It's like... Oh, she's the one who looked like, like you!
0: She looked like you! She had <laughs> glasses and that. She looked like you! A great um, overlooked movie, as was the one before it, Hexed. And I really hope that our new fan club, the Air Ira A Gross Appreciation Society, at least gets some recognition from the great man himself. He's 60 years old.
1: want to say if you do ever listen to this uh, um
0: we greatly respect your work especially in these two movies not so much in soul man that's a film which should be banned but um, (laughs) (laughs) but you weren't to know you weren't you weren't to know at the time and i enjoyed it first time round so there you go um right so that brings us next month's film So yeah where do we go with this where do we go for when i say next month in 9 weeks time wherever it's going to be um do
1: we choose Alan Arkin i mean you know joseph bologna did make alligator 2 after this so <laughs> the, the, there's there's all co- kinds of places to go was that was that the james, was that the james cameron one alligator 2 no he did he did piranha 2 oh god sorry how can i get them modelled up alligator 2 was in 91 so he made that after this oh, yeah. After this <laughs> This did so well he got an alligator too <laughs> straight afterwards.
0: <laughs> Poor guy. Wow. Heartbreaking. Still, hey, you know, pays the rent. Whatever. Do you know what I mean? We've done worse. I mean, I've worked in old people's home and everything. Fucking shit.
2: It's interesting talking about the rest of this. Um, the one thing that we seem to have missed um while we've been talking about it is the relationship between Alan Arkin and his wife. Yeah she's fantastic um, because she seems like I've literally not seen her in anything. And, me and she's, she's fascinating because she's, she's one of the most, one of the more human and relatable characters now. the way she dotes on her clearly dying husband. Um, and the relationship that they have with each other is amazing. But, um, well the other thing about this film is it made, almost made me want to film or call my brother. Not
1: enough, but
2: not that yeah. much. Um, not enough not enough to actually do it but let's move on from that but the the way those two interact with each other and the way she's there i mean it's like he's the um creative inventor with a garage full of weird shit like the fish two fishing rods and the strange plastic sign that actually ultimately crashes the car or causes the the ultimate damage to the car yeah. after everything they've done to get it ready um, but she's the one that's actually the practical one in the household that's fixing the boat that they've got and doing all those weird things. So, do you two know anything about her as a character? Did she go on and do anything other than I think was it Mulholland Drive? And we'll come to we'll come to Mulholland Drive in a she's, minute. She's
1: cause... actually done. A, I mean, I didn't recognise her as an actress, but she was in Coming Home, Straight Time, uh, uh, Used Cars, Straight Time.
0: Oh, yeah, used yeah. Cars, are amazing.
1: And and uh, she was married to the famous cinematographer Haskell Wexler until he died. So so she she's oh wow. When you say famous, well he shot he's like one of the top top cinematographers of American cinema. Yeah, sorry Matt. Yeah, but when you say famous, you mean like people that what like
0: what I might have heard uh, of.
1: What but... did he What did he do? Canadian bacon. Oh
0: oh dear. yeah. The, that the oh that's the John Candy Michael Moore, isn't it? He's
1: directed. Stuff. He he worked. He he worked a lot with Hal Ashby. That's why.
0: Yeah. Oh wow! Which
1: no. links back to woman from next. That's that's oh, Hal. That's go. Hal Hartley, not Hal Ashby. That's Hal Hartley, mate. She was also in Mal- Mulholland Drive, which I don't remember. Well, you remember the film. You don't uh, remember uh, her. Yeah, you know. yes, oh, yes, Mulholland Drive. So you were talking about
2: Mulholland Drive um, the other day, I think. Well directly but in a in a text where i'd um i'd sent you both of you thinking oh i'm going to be all cinematic and these guys will like this they'll really love it um a thing that was going around the other day about how um tom stoppard had been a script editor on uh, the third indiana jones and the last crusade and i thought oh yeah this will be really clever they'll like this they'll find it really fascinating because they like all that shit about script writing and editing um, and what I got back, listeners, <laughs> is far better. Not a thanks, Matt, which is notable, don't worry. Um, it was more an amazing story from John that having known him since I was probably 13 years old, so the best part of 30 years, I have never heard Um and i'd like john to tell it now please talk us
1: through this should night. i do this like the adam buxton thing where we we stretch it out over five years or something <laughs> no um we can do it or just no dive, dive straight, straight in. okay so, so i think it was like it was, it was doing the grand bag connection of my my connection to tom stoppard which is his now wife she wasn't his wife at the time but considerably older than me at the time um I was at a screening. Which also means yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean she, hey, she, she, man, he's gonna pork her I was at a screening of You've Got Mail, that Meg Ryan Tom Hanks film. And it was like a, a, a oh, when I worked yeah, at Disney. Masterpiece. <laughs> and they had all of it was just like this weird mixture of kind of sort of celebrities there to watch it. And she was one so so she and me, I was I just wondered you how, how, how the so his ex, his wife, his now wife, is uh, Sabrina Guinness, who is connected to the Guinness family. She used to be Charles. How? Just the daughter of one of the Guinnesses, I guess. And um, she was the ex-girlfriend of Prince Charles. Anyway, she, she's she, she's kind of very ab-fab in that kind of... She's very much like Patsy in ab-fab. And she was totally lashed and got talking to her and she she just goosed me like whilst I was talking to her. (laughs) So I was like this
2: is this is never gonna make it on air, is it? Hold on, hold on. Can't
1: can't you say allegedly? Because like the Guinness family are like mega powerful. So allegedly she goosed me and I felt it. And I felt it on my alleged (laughs) ass, Your Honor. And that led me to then like, like try and get away from her, I ended up going to speak to Dave Allen, the famous Irish comedian, at the bar. His son used to live round the corner from here, and um, our kids went to the same school. What another link? It's bizarre, amazing. So yeah, I was I, I was having so I was chatting to him over a beer, and we ended up having a few beers. I got basically I got pissed up before watching the film. And then I went in to watch You've Got Mail, and it weren't very good. Um, and <laughs> next in the next in the, the chain theory. of, <laughs> no, of so I, I I was sitting there watching and the thinking, oh, this is a bit dull. And then I started feeling really sleepy, and I fell asleep on the geezer next to me, who was Terry Wogan. So I fell asleep <laughs> on Wogan, and then woke up, drool- like drooling on him from being a bit drunk and uh, and as i woke up I was like, that's
2: the mark of the man though that's a yeah, mark of the man he was he so didn't he, he
1: wasn't funny about it and then like i woke up and went oh sorry sorry and i turned around and daily thompson was behind me grinning like a fucker <laughs> <laughs> then the cops walk in and say you've got jail <laughs> i want to get what's that, that that jim will paint it i want jim will I'm, I'm going to send this in as a suggestion to jim will paint paint this story up you know as a
0: that's amazing
1: you must be funneling jim will paint it so much money john because all
2: of
0: your stories are like that well ne-
1: next time i'll tell you the story that i had a go at liam gallagher about trying to buy a tiger shark
0: okay i'll look forward to it you know you get about didn't you blimey considering like that you're in like a maximum security prison in norway it's bizarre <laughs> Right. I bought some bread today. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, this is tragic. Right. Okay. Um, thank you, boys, for joining us. Uh, thank you, listeners, all three and a half of you. Uh, we'll see you in about nine weeks uh, where we will be talking more shit about more films, some of which might be shit too. We love you loads. This has been Grand Bag's Funeral. And as he says in Grand Bag's Funeral, it's only Grand Bag that's died. Sam! <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, how do? Why are you laughing? From Norfolk, jump down the rabbit up The rabbit? Fuck. Start again. Right. Gambi. <laughs> the first uh, yeah. it? There, was a, there was a girl called... Ke- oh, I couldn't even say that. It's just like there was a girl called Kelly and Roxham. who was, was fuck. That's woke. Yeah, that's a, he needs a piss, piss break, please. All right. needs a piss break. Right, then. Can you Hurry up, because we've almost finished.
1: <laughs> Matthew <laughs> Kelly. <laughs> <laughs> please don't release it. <laughs> this 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 will be in the outtakes.